Our passage this morning is in Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 through 40. But before we go there, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading at verse 8. Romans 10 and verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him to whom in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we note the passage that was just read, we will see a cause and effect relationship. There is an effect And that's seen in verses 8 through 13. And that is belief in Christ. And then he follows that up with the cause of that belief. What are the means that God uses to bring a sinner dead in sins and trespasses to life? This is answered by a series of questions. We see those in verses 14 and 15. And then it's put in a short statement form in verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Two necessary components. The word of God and the opening of the ears to hear it. Now as we turn back to Acts chapter 8, we see in these verses that we'll be looking at this morning, an absolutely spot-on illustration of what Paul is writing about in Romans chapter 10. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, that is desert, 
So he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. A wonderful illustration of the truth that we read about in Romans chapter 10. We have noted that Jesus has commanded his disciples to make disciples and carry the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And after the killing of Stephen, we saw the dispersion that took place in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death, and at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And then we see in verse 4 that as they went, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And some now moved from Jerusalem to Judea, then beginning of verse 5, we're into Samaria. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now we are going to see it spread down to what was thought of as the ends of the earth. Philip, who had been a great success and seen a great success in Samaria, is now summoned to go further, to Gaza. Now I'm not going to go into a geography lesson, 
as much as you were waiting for that this morning, uh, the maps are still over in the other building, but you do have them in your own Bibles for the most part, so you can perhaps follow along on that later. Where Philip is sent is the land that for centuries was the stronghold of the Philistines, and the Philistines were the great enemies of the Israelites, the ever-abiding enemies of the Israelites. Now, Philip is now gone to be called, he's called out of what we would call uh, old Jewish territory. He's no longer in those confines. He's moved out and uh, into an area that's would be south of any of the, uh, what would be called the Jewish land. So there's two calls that we see in this passage. First, there's the call to go. Philip receives a charge from the angel of the Lord, a messenger from the Lord. And this, we see Christ directing, Directing the expansion of his church. After all, the angel is not bringing his own message. So how does, how does Philip receive the message? Well, we're told that there was an angel that directed him, spoke to him. But we're not sure, and we cannot tell for sure, that it was, it was a vision by night, a dream a direct word, a strong inner inclination. Remember, Paul had a vision in the night of the Macedonians saying in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, come over here and help us. Now, if you're wondering if the same thing happens today, join us tonight and we'll talk about this very thing. Now, we know verse 27 The very first part of that verse. So he arose and went. There was no Jonah syndrome here. You know, Jonah, when he was told to go to the Ninevites, to the Gentiles, to, to go to those people and, and tell them about God. No, no, I'm not going to do that. But this was no Jonah syndrome. And this is the beauty of the gospel of Christ. Despite the detractors and the modern misinformation campaign, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the white European gospel. It is the good news for every nation, every tribe, every tongue. It was not to push colonialism. Philip did not go down to talk to the eunuch to say, okay, we want to get our influence nationally upon you. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to both the Jew and the Gentile alike. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Those who call themselves educated and intelligent are spewing nonsense 
such as Christianity is about colonialism. In Ephesians 2, verse 11, Paul writes, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create himself one new man from the tomb, thus two just making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. As if to prove the point, Philip is sent to the one who would be the first example of God's electing love amongst the Gentiles. Behold, it tells us, as Philip is sent, verse 27, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. A man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of, of great authority. Ethiopia is then not what it is today, but was referred to the land of the dark-skinned people of the upper Nile River region. South of Egypt, it was called Cush in the Old Testament. And Cush was one of the sons of Ham, who was the, sons of Noah, the son of Noah. This man, this black eunuch, had come to Jerusalem for one of the major feast times. He had traveled a great distance and was now on his way back home. Perhaps... He had heard and come to see that they said that the true God here is shown in Jerusalem. But for him, he could not be part of the covenant people. Particularly because he was a eunuch. 
and under the Mosaic law, it forbade an emasculated man to enter into the temple. But he had come to Jerusalem to worship. But he could not come into the full place where people worshiped. He had to be in the court outside. But there's still something here that you can only see the hand of God in. In the midst of this, what would seem a dark providence, something wonderful happened, perhaps inadvertently. Verse 8, the eunuch was returning and sitting in his chariot. And he was reading Isaiah the prophet. What had happened is, when he had come to Jerusalem, even though he was not allowed in the temple, because they knew who he was and who he represented, and that he was a man of great power, they gave him a gift. And the gift was one of the scrolls that one of the, the scribes had recently copied, perhaps. And that scroll that he was given was a scroll, one of the scrolls of Isaiah that contained what we would have now and say is chapter 53 and sitting, you see, because in the scrolls there were no chapter breakdowns. That was something that was added later on. So he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading verses from Isaiah 53. He'd been given this scroll as a gift. And there he is reading it. Because remember, back then people did not carry around copies of the Old Testament. You had to go to the old, you had to go to the synagogue, you had to go to the temple in order to hear the word of God read. We have no idea what that's like. You can, you can go in a pharmacy and buy a Bible. And so he's, he's got this scroll that's been given to him. And it's, it has Isaiah 53 in it. And particularly verses 7 and 8. Now some people say, well, that's a mighty coincidence. And in Scripture, there are no coincidences. This is the direct hand of God. There was no New Testament for him to read. There was no New Testament for Philip to take and so well you see how Isaiah is quoted here in the New Testament. But as Jesus made very clear it's the Old Testament that testified of him. So Philip is directed to overtake the chariot in verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Again, both times Philip is told to do something, he responds immediately. Go near, overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? So Philip ran to him. He heard him reading aloud. And reading aloud was a common practice back then. 
What a sight and sound this must have been. A man sitting in his chariot, reading in Hebrew, the scroll. Philip running to him and towards him. This man of God running up to, to show this other man who was riding in the first fully autonomous vehicle because he's sitting there just reading the scroll as the donkey, I guess, is pulling the chariot. And here he is reading Isaiah aloud and possibly somewhat out of breath. Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? So we've looked at the first call. That's the call for Philip to go. Now we look at the second call, and that is for the eunuch to come. So Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? Notice what the reply is in verse 31. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. How can I unless someone guides me? It was a confession there. I need a guide. In John 16 and verse 13, Jesus promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would guide his disciples into all truth. <clears throat> and Philip now had the understanding to guide this man. To guide him into the truth. So in verse 32, the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask, I ask you of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Now see what happened in verse 35. And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Yes, he preached Jesus to him from the Old Testament because the Old Testament testifies of him. And here is a very important point. Scripture in many places is extremely clear, but not in all places. The eunuch said he needed a guide, and the same is true today. Believers need trustworthy guides, pastors, and teachers. In, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, Need pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, <clears throat> for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to a unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect and mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
pastors and teachers there for the equipping of the saints. Now, there are out there a few, and I say a few, good study Bibles. But they were never designed to replace pastors and teachers. Nor will they ever replace being part of the body of believers. God has set it up that there will be guides for his people to guide them into the truth. The next thing that we're looking at here Philip is called of God to go to this man to speak to him, to tell him about Christ, to point it to him out of the Old Testament, out of the Word of God at that time. Now, there are many who deny the doctrine of election, that God choosing to bring certain people to himself but I cannot believe how someone can read this passage, this event, and say that God does not choose people. It's as clear an illustration as there can possibly be. God calling the man to himself. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And how clear are the means that were used. Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 as we read. Say that the faith will come by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And how will they hear unless the preacher speaks to them. And how will the preacher speak unless he is sent. And so we look at verses 36 and 37. After Philip preached Jesus to this man. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Isn't that the same as what Paul wrote there in Romans 10? If you believe with your heart. In heart meaning not just the romantic organ but the mind faith comes by hearing here is the part of the equation we might miss we had the ingredients we had the word we had the preacher but only the spirit of God can take the word and make it heard faith comes by hearing and so faith, faith then, as we see, is a gift. It's a gift from the Spirit. So faith has to come to us. It comes to us as a gift by the Spirit, whereby the Word proclaimed is, is given entrance into the innermost part of our being. And that unites us to Christ. So now, the eunuch's filled with desire to profess his faith in Christ. And we see that in verses 36 through 38. 
You see, there, there's no other way to describe this event than a display of electing love from God that brought to fruition by the power and providence of God. And to some degree, it's the same testimony for every single person who is saved. Not every one of you has a chariot that you'll be sitting in reading Isaiah. That's not... But the illustration is the word of God, this man was reading and it needed to be explained to him. And, he, and this man explained it to the eunuch and the eunuch had his ears opened by the Holy Spirit that he heard the truth for the first time in his life. The power and providence of God working through the spirit and the word to open the heart of this man and turn him in to a believer. For every single one of us, that's the story. Someone had to tell us about Christ. And that person had to be used by the Spirit of God and have the Spirit of God use what is being said to open our hearts and our ears to hear that. And see then, the extent that God in His electing love will go to bring one of His elect to him. And the great thing from this is that same God is still calling and still sending and still bringing his elect home. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For this day, to be the day of salvation. Let's stand together for prayer.